Here at Doxadea Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, hello and happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there. I trust that your family has been treating you today. And if you haven't sent a message to your dad, now is a good time to celebrate Father's Day and tell your dad just how much you love him and appreciate him. So today we are ending off our prayer series and this series is called Talk to God. Um, And uh, so many of us, sometimes we become very good at talking about God, but we don't always grow so much when it comes to our capacity to talk to God. Um, And that's an area that we would love to see growth in our church and also just in our own lives. It's an area where I want to grow personally, is I don't want to be known just as someone that talks a lot about God. I want to be known as a man that talks to God. Um, And today we are looking at the topic of fasting, prayer and fasting. Now I know when I say that, uh, many of you are thinking, please don't go there. I mean, it was one thing when we spoke about, you know, praying in tongues uh, about a week or two weeks ago. Um, But fasting, please don't go there. I love my food too much. But unfortunately, we are speaking about fasting today. Um, And in fact, we are as a church going to do a corporate fast starting tomorrow on Monday. And we're going to be doing a fast together for three days until Wednesday. And then on Wednesday, we're going to come together and have a corporate prayer meeting and also worship together and break the fast together. So we want to invite you together with your group and our people around you to join us in this time of fasting as a church together. Now, the, the first time that I heard about fasting was I walked into a community group and uh, I was very Afrikaans at that time. And so I didn't understand all the English words that well, especially not like biblical English words. And so I walked in and, and uh, so someone asked me the question, do you fast? You know, from time to time, do you fast? And I told them, I are very fast. I play wing and fullback. Um, anyways, that's, that's a bit lame, but I just thought for all the dads out there on this beautiful Father's Day, I'll give you a dad joke in my sermon. So that was my, my very best dad joke. But let me start off by giving you a quote from John Calvin, what, what he said on this topic of fasting. Um, and I think if you are a Christian, uh, the, the two extremes that many of us actually fall into when it comes to the question of fasting is one of these two. Either we are superstitious about this idea of fasting and we try and control God. We think that it's, gonna, it's got like magic powers um, when we fast. And then there is the group of people that say, well, we don't have to fast. And I'd like to call them the avoiders. So we are either avoiders when it comes to fasting or we are the superstitious uh, type. So John Calvin says the following, let us say something about fasting because many for want of knowing its usefulness, undervalue its necessity. And some reject it as almost superfluous, while on the other hand, where the use of it is not well understood, it easily degenerates into superstition. And so basically what he's trying to say in normal English, because this was written like 300 years ago, in normal English basically what he's saying is that you get those that say, well, we've got the Spirit, we've got the Word of God, so why do we need to fast? We don't need to fast. We're not safe through fast or anything like that. God hears our prayers. We've got the Holy Spirit. We don't need to fast. And then on the other side, you get the superstitious kind that think by fasting you can control God 
and manipulate him in some way to do certain things for you. And so we mustn't fall into one of these two traps. Um, and we're going to be speaking about this topic of fasting. And the big question we want to answer today is what does a Christian fast look like? What does the fast look like for us as New Testament believing Christ followers? Okay. So for that, in order to discover that, I'm going to have to give you something better than a John Calvin quote. I'm going to have to give you my Jesus quote. And the Jesus quote that I'm going to be sharing with you today is from Matthew chapter 9. And so you can also open your Bible there in Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to be seeing what Jesus says about fasting uh, since the time that he actually came to earth. But before we get to that, just a bit of background on this idea of fasting. So fasting is not unique to Christianity. Uh, we know this. Uh, a religion that is very devout to their fasting um, is the Islam faith. Uh, Muslims really believe in fasting. In fact, it's one of the pillars of Islam uh, to fast, especially during the holy month of Ramadan, uh, where they fast from, from the morning when the sun comes up until the, the evening when the sun sets again. Uh, even in other religions like Buddhism, uh, fasting is a big deal. Uh, Gautama Buddha um, is told to have fasted for something like 49 days. And in that time, that's when he received some of the revelations that he shared with his disciples then after that. Um, and in many different religions, uh, we, we find uh, fasting. And even today, uh, just with the whole health movement, there's a big deal around this idea of intermittent fasting. It's a well-researched topic that fasting is beneficial for your health. And so fasting is a big deal. In the Old Testament, we see a lot of fasting. So many of the beautiful stories in the Old Testament. Think about uh, Esther. Um, is also a wonderful example of where, where uh, the Jews actually also fasted. Daniel is another beautiful example of, of a fast that actually took place. Um, Joshua, before they went into the promised land, they, they, they fasted to consecrate themselves uh, before the Lord. Um, for many various reasons, there was fasting in the Old Testament. And now in the New Testament, we will read that the Pharisees of that time, the religious leaders, as well as the disciples of John, were also fasting. The disciples of John, I mean, John was Jesus' cousin. They knew who Jesus was. John told them who Jesus was, the Son of God. Yet they fasted, but we will read now in Matthew 9, the disciples of Jesus did not fast. So all the religions fast, the Old Testament uh, people fasted, even the cousin of Jesus and his disciples, John, they fasted. But Jesus and his disciples did not actually have a regular fast in his time when he was with them. And um, before we read that um, part in Matthew chapter 9, I quickly want to explain to you what's busy happening in the, this passage uh, in Matthew chapter 9. So there's a moment when the Pharisees and the disciples of John, they come to Jesus and they say, well, why are, aren't your disciples fasting? Why is this? And then Jesus answers them. But before that happens, there is a context in which this question is asked. Now, if you read Matthew as well as Mark and Luke, you will see the same sequence of just before the question of fasting is asked to Jesus. It is the story of when Jesus calls Levi or Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him. It is straight after this time. And so what actually happened there, so this passage right preceding the passage on the question of fasting is the passage where, where Levi is called, or, or Matthew is his other name, is called as the tax collector 
And Jesus uh, calls this sinner uh, to follow him. And then Matthew responds by throwing a banquet, throwing a party for Jesus and his disciples. Jesus says, we're going to be feasting in your house tonight. And Matthew even invites many other tax collectors. And there are a whole bunch of sinners and tax collectors sitting together, feasting together, being merry. And in that context, the Pharisees is... Uh, is actually shocked because Jesus was stirring the religious pot when he was feasting with the sinners and tax collectors. Um, and so in that context, they, they're looking for you know, reasons. They're a little bit upset with Jesus. And they're also seeing that these guys are not even fasting. You know, they're just having parties with, with sinners and people that seem to be far away from God. And they ask him this question. Um, and so Matthew chapter 9 from verses 9 to 13, you can read that part where Jesus is calling Matthew um, and they, they go to Matthew's house and verse 10 says, and there were many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus told them that a doctor does not come for the healthy but for the sick. And neither have I come for the righteous, but I came for the sinners. And so Jesus is giving this answer uh, of how he does things. And then straight after that, verse 14, we find the question. Then John's disciples came to him saying, why do we, so John's disciples, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, can the wedding guest be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them and they will fast. Now, Jesus is answering on this question of fasting uh, by telling a parable of a wedding feast, a very short, just a, a, a explaining to them that, that he is like the bridegroom at a wedding feast and therefore uh, since he is here, there should be a feast and not a fast. And the Christian fast is in fact actually a feast on Jesus. And we're going to get to that uh, in a moment. Now, it's important to understand that, that weddings in this time was a lot different to the way that weddings are in our Western and maybe white culture. I go to a lot of white weddings with white people, and then it's almost like it's celebrated that if it's very short, everyone's very thankful toward the people that organize the wedding. If the ceremony is like 30 minutes and the reception isn't very long and there aren't very many long speeches, everyone gets to go home early, then everyone's like, great wedding, well done, you organized a wonderful wedding. But weddings in this time was a lot more like weddings in the African culture today, right? So it was a massive feast. It was, it was a long feast. Like it's not a wedding just, you know, one afternoon. No, no, it's like a weekend, uh, a number of consecutive days. Maybe weddings in this time would have been like a week long uh, or maybe even longer. So this, it was a massive uh, feast happening. And the most important person of this wedding would be then the, the bride and the bridegroom. And so when there is a bridegroom, there should be a feast being had together. And so Jesus is saying, the reason my disciples, they're asking him a question about fasting. And he's pointing them to who he is, saying, I am the bridegroom, and therefore we should be having a feast. Now, I want to read you the, the next part and then just quickly explain to you that what is actually happening in this passage is they're asking him a question about fasting but Jesus is giving them an answer about religion and his identity. 
He's not answering the question about fasting here. He's giving them a bigger answer, saying the question you're asking is a question about religion. You don't understand. The bridegroom is now here standing in front of you. We are done with religion. We're having a wedding feast. And so let's read a little bit further and, and I'll explain further. Verse 16, no one patches an old garment with unshrunk cloth because the patch pulls away from the garment and makes the tear worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the skins burst and the new wine spills out and the skins are ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. So this idea of fresh wine or new wine in new wineskins, that you can't put new wine into old wineskins, is actually in the context of the question about fasting. But it's not only referring to fasting. It's referring to the whole chapter when Levi got saved and called, or Matthew got called to follow Jesus. And uh, not only saved, but also called and they were celebrating with sinners and tax collectors. And the way that Jesus was busy loving these people that seemed, according to the religion, to be far away from God, to be outcasts and sinners. And then the Pharisees come and say, why does your master or your teacher eat with sinners and tax collectors? And why don't you fast? They're asking a question about religion. And Jesus is giving them an answer saying, well, the bridegroom is you. You don't understand. The question you are asking is, it's like the old wine skins. What I'm busy doing here is like new wine. What I'm busy doing is the kingdom of God in a totally new way, revealing to you this new kingdom of heaven. And this new kingdom of heaven does not fit into your religious way of thinking. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work in your religion. The way that you think about fasting the way that you think about where sinners should be eating and that the holy men is not supposed to be eating with tax collectors and with sinners, the two don't match. It is like the new cloth um, not, uh, like that doesn't fit with this garment. It's like new wine that doesn't fit with old an old wineskin. And so he's saying your old way of doing doesn't work in this new kingdom that I'm bringing. You see, salvation will never work the same again. That's what Jesus is busy saying. Because he's speaking about what's happening with Matthew also, right? And the reason for fasting sometimes is consecration. Jesus is saying, I am your consecration. Salvation is never going to work the same again. The way that we love people is never going to work the same again. It's like new wine now. You can't fit it into this old wineskin of yours where you, where you say, well, you're not holy enough, therefore holy men will not eat with sinners. No, no, the way we love people is going to look different from now on. It's this new wine that Jesus is bringing, this new kingdom. And then thirdly also, the way that calling works, the way that you are called is no longer on how good you are. You could be a tax collector and God calls you and the only thing that matters is God's word over your life. The way that salvation works is different. The way that we love people is different. The way that calling works, Jesus is saying, it's like new wine. It's not going to fit into your religious picture that you are bringing to me. And so having said this, just to explain that, when, when the question of fasting is asked, the answer of, of religion and the person of Jesus is actually given uh, when he answers them. And so let me then get to this question. Since we are speaking about fasting, the Christian fast, what does that look like? Is Jesus saying that we should not fast at all? Like that fasting is wrong altogether? Well, no. No. 
What Jesus is saying is that the way that we will fast now, I mean, that passage is redefining fasting for us. The way that we fast as Christians is different. It is new wine, right? So we don't fast in the same way that they fasted in the Old Testament. We don't fast in the same way that other religions fast. We fast in the Christian way. And I want to explain a bit about that to you. We fast in a new way. So he's speaking about the new fast or the new, uh, the Christian way of fasting. So in the Old Testament, they fasted either because they were mourning um, or because of consecration. Now in the new covenant, we don't fast for consecration because Jesus is our consecration. He is the one that already sanctified us, made us clean, has forgiven us. We find our righteousness in Christ Jesus. So when we fast, we don't do it in order to get something from God, but we do it because we have gotten something from God. We don't fast to fast. We fast to feast. The Christian fast is in fact a feast on the fact that what Jesus has already done for us. So we do it from a different perspective. John Piper says the following, We have tasted the powers of the age to come and our new fasting is not because we are hungry for something we have not tasted but because the new wine of Christ's presence is so real and so satisfying. The newness of our fast is this. Its intensity comes not because we have never tasted the wine of Christ's presence, but because we have tasted it so wonderfully by His Spirit and can now not be satisfied until a consummation of His joy arrives. And so he's saying, we don't fast in order to get something. We fast because we have already gotten it. Because we've already tasted that Jesus is so good. He is the new wine. And that nothing in this world will ever taste the same. Nothing in this world will ever compare to the goodness of Jesus. We're even willing to give up food for a limited time to remind ourselves that Jesus' presence is even better than the taste of good food. I mean, food, just think about this for a moment. Like, why did food have to taste like anything? I mean, food is something brilliant. Don't, don't, don't get that. Like, we're not going to fast forever because we are feasting on the goodness of what God has given us in food. I mean, he decided to make food taste like something so that food can be a reminder of his generosity, of, of his goodness. That's what we're enjoying when we eat food. But sometimes when we fast, we remind ourselves that you know, Jesus' presence is even better than this food. Uh, Paul puts it this way in Philippians 3. He says, More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's saying the things of this world. He actually goes on saying, Because of Him, because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider, consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. I consider them as like poo in comparison to knowing Christ. Verse 10, he says, my goal is to know Christ. And so we've tasted this new wine, the presence of Christ. And everything in this world in comparison to him is like dung. And so in the fast, we're reminding ourselves of this goodness. We're feasting on Jesus. A time of fasting is primarily so that you feast on the presence of Jesus, so that you just hit the pause button in your life for a moment and just consider the fact of the surpassing greatness of what it means to know Christ. 
And so with that, let me just ask this uh, question, because I, I know you might be, be asking this question, well, uh, I know I don't need to fast. Uh, we don't need to fast for salvation. We know that God hears our prayers. So what, what good does fasting actually do? Right? The bridegroom has come, Jesus is here. So why would we fast at all? Right? So I want to give you three reasons why we as Christians fast. Now, before I give those three reasons, let me just say this. Jesus fasted. Uh, after Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended on him and he received the word from the Father saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Right? So he's already received all of the acceptance of the Father. He didn't have to impress the Father in any way. Straight after that, Jesus goes into the desert and fasted for 40 days. He went without food for 40 days. Jesus fasted. And also the other passage where, passages uh, when he teaches on prayer, and, and then he goes on and says, well, when you fast, then he explains how to fast, Matthew chapter 6. So Jesus is saying fasting is good. It's just the way that we fast is in a new way now. And so... Um, let me give you three reasons why we fast as Christians, why fasting is so good for you and why tomorrow until Wednesday, it's a good thing for you to be fasting. Firstly, we fast for power. It provides power. There's a passage in the New Testament where the disciples go out, um, Jesus sends them out and they chase out demons out of people because they've received this authority from Christ. Then they come back to Jesus so excited, saying, you know, we chased out demons in your name. Wow, amazing. Then Jesus reminds them, saying, well, you know, don't, you know, don't boast in that. Don't get excited about the fact that you're chasing out demons. Get excited about the fact that I'm here and standing in front of you. So he's, he's pointing them back to his presence, like feast on me. But then they go to another place and the disciples are trying to chase out a demon out of this one person. Uh, the story is, is in Matthew chapter 17, also in Mark chapter 9. And so they're trying to chase this demon out of this person and the demon won't budge. It won't go out. And then Jesus has to come and says, okay, now it's time for you to leave. The demon obviously listens to Jesus. Then his disciples ask him, so, so why did the demon not listen to us? You know, do we not have enough power or authority? And then Jesus says, well, with some, it will only go out through prayer and fasting. Some breakthroughs in your life. Last week, we spoke about breakthrough prayer. Some breakthroughs in your life will only come by fasting. And we spoke about it last week, that in that time of, of, of uh, you know, waiting for a breakthrough and praying and even fasting, sometimes God is using that not only to do something for you, it's not like it's a magic formula, but he's using that to do something in you. The period before the breakthrough is sometimes more significant and more important than the breakthrough itself. So we fast for power. Sometimes when we need breakthrough, uh, God allows this so that we get to the end of ourselves saying, God, I've tried everything. I can't find a solution in this problem. This demon won't go out or whatever breakthrough you're trusting God for. It just won't happen. I need you. Only once you get to that point and God moves, it is clear evidence to you that God is real and His power is working in your life. So we fast for power. The second, or at least to be aware of God's power that is actually already working in our lives. The second reason why we fast, it's like, a, it's like an MR scan. We fast to reflect. Sometimes it's good to fast just to reflect for a moment. You see, uh, sometimes we, in, in our lives, uh, if you think about it, the, the, the drug, the most popular drug in the world is food. It's not other substances, it's food. We love using food to make ourselves feel better. Um, a new drug that many people are using is 
is watching TV, like just uh, binge watching Netflix or Showmax or whatever your poison is, uh, Amazon Prime or whatever. Um, we do those things sometimes to quiet the things happening in us. Uh, sometimes, you, you know, you, the, the, there's a saying that says we eat our emotions. When you feel sad, then you are in the mood for some ice cream. Saturday I had a day like that. I was just feeling sorry for myself. And so I, I told the boys, let's go to the shop and buy ourselves some ice cream. <laughs> we eat our emotions. Uh, sometimes when we're happy, we feel like, yeah, we need to celebrate. Let's have a braai. Let's braai some steak to celebrate this joy that we have. But you know, it's, sometimes it's good to leave that drug and say, okay, I'm going to leave food or even leave whatever I use to quiet my emotions just for a moment so that I can feel the emotions and reflect on what is busy happening in my life now. Sometimes we just need to press the pause button in our lives. And fasting is a wonderful way to press pause. Just take a moment and to open your heart, say, God, search my heart. See if there's anything you don't like and just come and show me what's busy happening in my heart. You quiet yourself before God. For a, for a period of time, it might be three days, maybe you do a regular fast once a week, uh, we just skip some meals. That's also a time just to press the pause button, saying, God, what's busy happening in my emotions? What's busy happening in my life? What's busy happening in my spirit? Just come and show me. It's a time of reflection. So fasting is for power when you need breakthrough and to become aware of the fact that we can ask God to bring breakthrough in our lives. Secondly, it's also a time of reflection for us. And then the third reason, which is the main reason, which we already spoke about, the reason why we fast as Christians is to feast on Jesus. It's for intimacy with Jesus. The reason why you would decide not to prepare a meal and eat is so that you can have that hour available to feast on something bigger, on Jesus. When Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, the enemy tempted him and said, why don't you just tell that rock to turn into bread so that you can have something to eat? And then Jesus responds with scripture by saying that man does not eat or man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. We don't live on bread alone. We live on the words of God, on the presence of God in our lives. And so in that moment, uh, Jesus was reminding himself and also the enemy that he is being filled with something else. There's another kind of food that you and I need, and it's the word of God. When we fast, it's just so that we can make space in our calendar to focus on God and to eat on God, to feast on Jesus. That's why we do it. And that's why it's so important when you do fast, it doesn't help you, you know, you skip a meal, but you just take a nap or you go do other work in that time. That, that's, not, that's just a diet. That's not a fast. A fast is to replace the thing that you take out of your calendar, to replace it with feasting and focusing, meditating on who God is, is to feast on Jesus. If it's Netflix, maybe for a week or so, you want to decide to, to not watch TV or uh, look on your computer screen or, and binge Netflix at night at all uh, for a time. It's not so that you can go to bed earlier. It's so that you can feast on Jesus in that time. You have to replace it with intimacy with God, spending time with God. We fast to feast. 
Now, just on this, uh, it's, it's just speaking about this hunger. I mean, we already have the presence of God. We've tasted the new wine, yet there's a desire in us for more. I mean, my wife, uh, sometimes I, I, I see a lot of her, but the more time I spend with my wife, the more time I want to spend with her. Right, and so that's why also we feast. And uh, there's this, this contented discontentment that we find in the Bible also. Men that have discovered and feasted on God, and as they've done that, they have this, this bigger desire to do more of it. We see it in the words of David in Psalm 42, this is 1 to 2, as he says, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before Him? Do you have that desire to spend time with God? Do you have a desire for intimacy with God? Some of us, like we, we know we want that desire, we just don't feel it now. You can even say a prayer today by saying, God, I desire to desire you. I want more of that desire. And fasting is something that can create that desire in you for God. Psalm 63 says the following, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you. In a land that is dry, desolate and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. This is why we fast. So that we can gaze on God because our soul longs for God and so that our soul can long for God even more. There's this contented discontentment. Because we've tasted Jesus, we want more of Jesus. Because we know how good this new wine is, we want to drink more of it. And therefore we hit the pause button, we fast so that we can feast on Jesus. And in that time, my physical hunger is also reminding me of my spiritual hunger for God. It's so important that when we fast as Christians, it's not only to get something from God, right? It's not, we don't fast for something. We actually fast for someone because we're hungry for someone, for His presence, not only to get something. So in summary, good reasons to fast is for a breakthrough. If there's a breakthrough you're trusting God for, fast for it this week. If you just need to reflect in a mo for a moment, just to hit the pause button and just meditate on what's busy happening in my life. What does God want to do in this season of my life? Then fasting is a wonderful uh, way of doing that. We fast for breakthrough. We fast for reflection. And then thirdly, we fast to feast. We fast for intimacy. That's also why we fast. So practically speaking, just to wrap this up, uh, what does this mean uh, for us? I want to encourage you, you can do a fast like we're doing this week, a uh, extended time, three days, we're going to be fasting. You can decide how you want to do it. We've got a video that we are sending out to our groups on practical tips, how to fast, um, to be wise with it. I mean, obviously, if you're sick, um, then if you're ill, uh, just be wise in the way that you fast. There are many different ways in which you can fast. You're going to decide how you want to do that uh, for the next three days. And otherwise, I also want to encourage you to make a regular fast part of your routine. I know many people that actually fast once a week. Once a week, they pick a day where they just skip breakfast and lunch. And in that day, they just reflect and spend more time with God. Once a week, they've got a rhythm like that because they want to feast on God in a regular, on a regular basis. And it's important to know that when you decide to fast now, I want to invite you to plan for it, uh, to decide not you know, Monday morning what you're going to do, but 
to, to, to today already. Commit yourself, decide what you're gonna do for the next three days, and also decide what are you fasting for. Uh, you know, come with an expectation into your fasting. Ask God before and God in this time, I want you to speak to me about this. This is what I'm fasting for. This is what I want, this is my desire. So come with an expectation uh, to your fast and make sure that the thing that you take out, that you replace it with time with God. Because it's not a diet, it is a fast. Now, just to maybe say this before we end off, um, as a church for the next three days, we are gonna be fasting corporately also. So you've got some points you wanna fast for, but I wanna invite you to fast with us as a church also. And so as a church family, we are gonna fast in Bloemfontein, Dr. Dr. Bloemfontein, we're gonna fast for church unity in our city. And so in these next three days, uh, everyone in our church, we're inviting everyone uh, to fast for church unity in Bloemfontein. It has been a desire in our hearts for, for many years to see greater church unity. Just imagine what the city could look like if the churches actually understand that we are partners in this bigger kingdom. If everyone starts seeing the kingdom as more important than your church brand. But not only that, I wanna invite you to pray for other churches in the city. Pray for a church that you know about. Just after COVID, we can seriously pray for vision and for faith in our churches. We can pray just for the health of our churches. Imagine what it would look like if each and every church in this city is healthy, is healthy, and they're busy advancing the kingdom of God. Imagine if there are way more churches in this city. Let's pray for that as a church together. On Wednesday evening, we're gonna to come together, we're gonna to pray together for that, and also worship together, and then we're gonna break the fast together. Let me end off. Uh, as we end off, I'm gonna, instead of praying for you, I wanna, as a prayer, just read the words of, or the first few, or the first uh, two paragraphs of a, a song that Eugene and Neline have recorded for us that will be playing straight after this. Um, and uh, just as that song plays, I wanna ask you to pray with that song. Make it a prayer for you. Don't just listen to the song. Pray with the song. And, you know, open your heart to God and, and, and tell Him about your desire to want to feast on Him, uh, to want more of Him, that, that, that contented discontentment that you have in your heart. Let me just read you some of the words um, and then straight after that we go into this song of ministry. It goes as follows and it's called Speak by Bethany Worship. It says, I want to hear you louder than the noise. I want to feel you closer than the air I breathe, deep within my soul burning. Speak to me, let my heart be awakened by the whispering of love. Pull me close to your heart. Let the silence now be filled with your voice. Found in surrender, my heart is fully yours. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.